You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey friends, it's Dana Shea and you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. We are here today continuing our Love Is series, and we are almost done with the series, you all. I pray that it has really encouraged you and blessed you, and I pray that you have been able to go through the workbook, the Love Is workbook, if you're like, what is she talking about? The Love Is workbook that I've talked about on every single episode in this series, but I pray that you've been able to go through the workbook and really glean some newfound wisdom, maybe put some new practices into play to help you to not only just be a loving person, but to put love in action. That is why we are doing this entire series. And today, you all, we have a topic that is really important for all of us. Maybe you are someone who you are easily angered. Anger is a really big issue for you. Or maybe you're in a relationship with someone who is easily angered and you're wondering what you can do. Do you play into that? Do you ignore it? And I know that it can be a very, very difficult thing dealing with someone who is constantly angry. And so what we're talking about today is straight out of 1 Corinthians 13. So if we are going to be people of love, we are going to have to be people who address our anger issues. Somebody say, you got issues. You got issues and I got issues too. Now, maybe anger isn't your issue, but for those who do struggle with anger, it can be a very shameful thing. It can be something that is also just kind of widely accepted, especially with men in our culture. Some people, they just kind of get a pass like, oh, yeah, they're just angry all the time. But where I really want us to focus on today is let's first of all dissect why we get angry and what is anger and what does it help us do after all? The truth is, friends, anger is always a secondary emotion. Think about it. When you get angry, What is the first emotion that you're feeling? So for me, it's usually fear or it's this feeling of being out of control. So y'all, I can talk about this very transparently and, um, and very authentically. And this is one of the reasons why I don't have a guest on this particular episode, because this is my thing, okay? Or it was my thing. Let's put it that way. I really used to struggle with anger. And I've talked to different groups, mom groups and uh, youth groups and at church, you know, I've talked to them about my story and how God really delivered me from being a very angry person. Now, most people wouldn't know that to look at me. You know, I'm a very optimistic, friendly, upbeat person all the time. That's my genuine disposition. It's not fake. However, Underneath that smile, and especially when I was really going through a really terrible time in my marriage, I struggled with anger a lot. And when I'm talking to you guys about that shame, it's because I felt that shame. It's because I would yell at my kids out of anger. My kids would do kid stuff, right? They would leave their their shoes by the stairs, and I would trip down the stairs and almost break my back on one of their shoes, and I would lash out. Something that really should have been like a two would be a 10. And really, what that was showing was I wasn't really angry at my kids. I was angry because my life was out of control, and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I would just explode all the time. When my kids would make mistakes, instead of giving them grace, I would lash out in anger. 
Now, praise the Lord. I never physically abused my kids. That's not who I am. Praise God. He kept me from that, right? I've never physically abused my children. But verbally, I would scream, you guys, like literally scream at my kids. And when I finished, I would feel like the worst person in the world. I would feel so ashamed of myself. I would pray that nobody heard me. And then I would look at my kids' faces and realize I had just done some major damage. Now, in my anger, again, this is God's grace. I never cussed at my kids. I have never to this day cursed any of my children. I never cursed at them. I never called them names. But I would say things like, I am so sick of this. You guys are always doing stuff like this. I would say stuff like that. And again, I was always ashamed of it. It, I didn't make excuses for it. I didn't feel good about it. And I would pray, y'all. I would literally go in my room, sometimes crying, which I'm not like an overly like emotional person. I don't cry easily. But I remember going into my room sometimes praying and crying and being like, Lord, why did you give me these kids? Not like they're a burden, but like, why did you give these kids a mom like me? That's kind of how I felt. Like they deserve so much better. And I talked to Sean about it. Now, unfortunately, again, during this kind of season of my life, he was a lot of the brunt of my frustration and pain because we were going through like a terrible time in our marriage. So I really couldn't confide in him the way that I wanted to, which really exacerbated the the pain and the anger even more. I didn't know who to talk to about it because, again, it was a very shameful thing. And so I just stuffed it. And you guys know what happens when you stuff anger? It's like a volcano. You will erupt. And that is exactly what happened to me. So I remember there was this one day, my older kids were younger. And thankfully, you know, I kind of grew out of this horrible, angry thing by the time my two younger kids kind of came along. But um, my two older kids were, were young. And this woman recommended that I get this book called She's Gonna Blow. Real Help for Moms Who Deal with Anger by Julie Ann Barnhill. If you are a mom and you have an anger issue, you need to get this book. This book helped me to understand that I was not a wretched sinner. Actually, I am, but you know, I wasn't lashing out in anger because of that. I was lashing out in anger because I was stuffing all of my emotions. And just like a volcano, it just slowly builds over time, over time, and then boom, One thing happens and it just sets it off. And that's what my life was like. So I would definitely say, of course, I love my kids. I would do anything for my kids. I would give my life for my kids. But I also would blow up at my kids. And I would also scream at them. And so love is not angry. What does that mean? Did I not love my kids? Of course, I love my kids. But I needed to get a hold on my anger So I'm taking a little bit of a detour from what we normally talk about, which is marriage and relationships. And I'm going to talk to parents today. I'm going to talk to those of you who might not be married or you might not be in a relationship. Really, all of us, this message could be for, for those of you all who deal with anger. And you all, I used to be really embarrassed to tell these stories. One, I didn't want to trigger in my older kids because I did pray over them like, Lord, would you remove the memory of the pain that I caused them through my angry outbursts. And let me just tell you, like, pause. 
If you have hurt someone in your life, whether it be your children, your spouse, whoever, you can pray prayers like that. Once you pray the prayer of repentance, right? You can't like still be like wiling and hurting folks and be like, oh Lord, make them forget. No, like once you actually repent and you get that thing right with that person, you can pray, Lord, would you take away the sting? Would you take away even the memory of what I did or what I said? So for a long time, I wouldn't talk about these stories because I didn't want to trigger something or bring to memory something that maybe my kids had forgotten about. But then I started hearing from so many different women that they were struggling with being angry. And I would hear them kind of confess a little bit and then take it back. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you'll be talking to somebody and they'll kind of start opening up and being a little vulnerable, a little honest. And then they'll be like, well, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't really that bad. And I just wanted to set people free from that because I know that life. And I knew what it was like to live for so long with this disposition on the outside that I really did feel 90% of the time, I was happy and positive and upbeat, even when I was going through craziness in my life. But I also knew that that 10%, that was damaging. And praise the Lord, kids are very resilient and they can recover from a lot. Now, this is not a license to mistreat your children if you're a parent, but it is just, again, to underscore the grace of God in my life. You guys know I'm a pastor and I'm a I get the privilege of leading our online community at my church. And we just had a conversation uh, with two women today who were victims of domestic abuse. And it's so timely, actually. I'm thinking about this right now because depending on when you're listening to this, we're in October right now. And October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so I had these two women come on and they shared their stories of how they were physically abused by their husbands for years and the pain and the trauma that that caused. And praise the Lord, they were both able to escape those situations. And now they're living to share their story with other people in hopes that they can rescue someone from not having to go through that or at least give someone the courage that is in that situation to get out. So we were having this conversation earlier today, and they were talking about the anger and the rage that their ex-husbands would throw their way. They began talking about their children and how they were trying to shelter their children from this. And I began thinking about, even though, again, I was not physically um, abusive to my children, that same fear that those children, these women's children must have felt when their fathers were raging was likely a similar feeling that my kids were feeling when I was raging. I want to tell you that if you're someone who deals with anger, it is not okay to rage. It is not okay to say, well, you know what? Y'all got me to that point. If y'all would stop doing this and I wouldn't do that. No, no, no. There comes a point in time where you have to take responsibility for your own behavior. I took responsibility for my behavior. And I said, it's not my kid's fault. It's not Sean's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not God's fault. It's nobody's fault. It's my fault. It's my fault because I could choose to respond in another way. I just didn't have the skills or the tools or the wisdom in which to do so. But thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. That's what the Bible says. And he allowed me to feel the weight of what I was doing. I'm so glad that God doesn't take away our guilt. And there's this mantra that's going on in our culture right now that tells us you should never feel guilty for anything. Friends, you should feel guilt. You should feel guilt when you mess up. Guilt shows that you have a conscience. Guilt tells you 
that you're on the wrong track. Now, you shouldn't wallow in guilt. You shouldn't wallow in condemnation. You shouldn't wallow in shame. Shame is never, ever a good thing. Shame is completely unproductive. But guilt? Guilt is necessary because guilt leads you to repentance. Now, once you're repentant, once you have repented, I should say, then guilt no longer serves its purpose. So I was under lots of guilt. I was under lots of shame. I went under lots of condemnation because I couldn't forgive myself for the ways that I had acted. I don't really know what it was. I wish I could tell you like, oh yeah, on such and such a date, on such and such a time, I had this epiphany and I was changed. It wasn't really that for me. I think for me, it was more of a process of learning different ways to cope with my anger. And one of the best things that I did was ask myself, what was my anger covering? Because again, anger is always a secondary emotion. So then I started to say, okay, Dana, you're feeling disrespected in this moment. All right, I'm feeling disrespected. I told my children to do something. They didn't do it. I'm feeling disrespected. So now instead of me becoming angry, I can acknowledge I'm actually feeling hurt. I'm actually feeling overlooked. I'm actually feeling unimportant. I'm actually feeling disappointed. I'm actually feeling embarrassed. Maybe I was out and about and I told my kids to do something. They didn't do it. And other people were looking at me like, you don't even have control, quote, control over your kids. I was embarrassed. I learned how to start owning my emotions, my real emotions. And once I started doing that, it's not like I never got angry again, but I didn't have the whole lashing out thing happening anymore because I was taking ownership of my feelings. And I want to tell some of you that some of y'all, you have two emotions, happy or mad. And friends, there are so many more emotions that we have access to. There comes a point in time where just maturity and wisdom tells you, you are going to have to be willing to face those other emotions, a whole slew of them. So ask yourself, what is this anger covering up? What am I really feeling? And then deal with that real emotion. Hey friends, Dana Shea here breaking into the episode real quick as we journey over the next several weeks on this whole topic of what love is. I have created an interactive workbook just for you or you and your boo to download and go through every single week with us on the podcast. Friends, this workbook is going to help you to grow deeper in your relationships. It's going to help you to put into action how to love. That's right. Every week, you will be writing out actions that you need to release and actions that you need to increase. So be sure to download your copy today at realrelationshiptalk.com slash love is. Again, that's realrelationshiptalk.com slash love is. All right, back to our show. The second thing is placing a guard over your mouth. Oh my Lord. And praise the Lord that he did set a guard over my mouth. There would be things that I would think y'all and it would be like right, right there on the tip of my tongue. But it was like the Holy Spirit was like, hush, you do, you know how parents, you're like, you better not, you know, you guys can't see me right now if you're, unless you're watching us on YouTube. But for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you can't see my face, but you know, that look that your parents give you, that'd be like what God would do to me. Don't you say that. Don't you say that thought that you're thinking right now and praise God, I wouldn't say it, but I sure enough would think some stuff sometimes and not just to worry my kids, to other people, to Sean, to, to people who I felt wronged by. 
And so there has to come a point of time where we take ownership for our real feelings and then we place a guard on our lips. I want to read to you a scripture in James 1.19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers or sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That is some of the best relationship advice that we could ever hear. Be quick to listen. Oftentimes when we lash out in anger, we're not listening. We're not listening for another perspective. We're not listening to the people that we say we love. When we lash out in anger, we're certainly not being slow to speak. Our mouths are just running and our mouths are running faster than our brains can catch up, which is why a lot of times we say things and we're like, but but I didn't mean to say that. Well, if you're slow to speak and actually like close your mouth, then that will keep you from saying things in anger that you never should have said. The Bible says be slow to anger. So what does that tell us? It tells us that you are going to feel angry sometimes. It's not a sin to be angry. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in your anger, do not sin. So it's not that if you get angry, you're a bad person. We're all going to experience anger sometimes, but we get to choose what we do with that anger. We get to choose of whether we're going to lash out or whether we're going to exercise self-control. We get to choose whether we're going to blame everybody else for the reasons that we're angry or if we're going to own our emotions and look within ourselves and say, how can I affect this situation right now? And so again, through a process of just this hard work and looking inside myself and depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, which listen, I understand everyone who listens to this podcast, you're not Christian. I love that you're here. I absolutely love that. But I would not be able to live my life without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me. I just would not be able to, y'all. So for those of y'all who are like killing it and you don't have the Holy Spirit, high five, okay? But I can't. I need God. I need his grace. I need his strength and my weakness. I need him. And he has shown up for me time and time and time and time again. Jesus was angry. There's a whole story in the Bible how when he went into what was supposed to be a house of prayer, the temple, they were basically selling all this merchandise and taking advantage of the people. The Bible says he got angry and he overturned the tables and he kind of flipped out. There are some people who say, oh, no, he wasn't angry. No, he was. <laughs> like, people don't flip over tables because they're, they're, they're happy. He was angry. And he had a reason to be angry. And there are times, you all, that we have legitimate reasons to be angry. You find out your spouse has been unfaithful to you. You should be angry. Your child goes and does some horrible thing that, that misrepresents your family and brings shame upon your family name. You should be angry. There are times in our lives where anger is appropriate and it is necessary. But most of the time, you all, we are operating in anger unnecessarily or we're allowing our anger to stew because we feel like it protects us. It's easy to be angry. It's much more difficult to say, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, I'm broken, I'm afraid, I feel out of control, I'm scared. It's much harder to say that. So what we do is we go to anger. It's an easily accessible emotion. So my encouragement to all of us today 
is that we do what the book of James says, that we be slow to anger, that we be quick to listen, that we be slow to speak. I believe, friends, if we would take this advice to heart, we are going to see a change in our relationships. There are some of you who are married to people who are constantly angry and you don't know how to handle it. You're like, I don't know if I should say something back or if I should be quiet or what. And I'm going to tell you this. When I would get in my angry outbursts, I think the worst thing that somebody could do, whether it's my child or whoever else, I was kind of lashing out. The worst thing that they could do is to lash back. Now it's like, oh, now I'm going to take it up five notches because now you've really pissed me off. So I think the worst thing that you can do is to lash back out in anger. The Bible actually says this, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer. Now, this doesn't mean that you diminish yourself. It doesn't mean that you allow people to mistreat or, God forbid, abuse you. But it means that when you answer someone with a soft answer and they're angry, It kind of is disorienting because when you're in that volatile state, you're raging, you're so angry. And then for someone to respond in a genuine, not like a placating way, but like a genuine, soft, respectful, controlled way, it's disorienting for the angry person. We have so much wisdom in the scripture if we would just follow it. So my advice to you, if you're in that situation, first of all, as long as you are not being abused, please hear me. If you are being torn down emotionally and your spouse is telling you that you're a no good for blah, 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 bleep, 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 that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not saying that you need to say, thanks, honey, bless you. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. And of course, I'm not talking about if you're being physically abused. If you're being physically abused, please hear me. You need to leave the situation. You need to get out of there. But if you're dealing with someone who, like me, I just didn't know how to handle my emotions, one of the best things that you can do is answer with a soft answer. And what's very important is that you put up boundaries. That you say, no, I'm sorry. Well, I'll have to talk to you later. And you don't have to go into a whole long explanation, but it is very important for people who deal with anger issues. They don't have good boundaries. So you have to make sure that you put those boundaries up because they're sure not gonna. These are just kind of some real quick tips here. This is certainly not an exhaustive coaching session. If if you and I were in a coaching session, I would go much more in depth of some things that you can do. But I think for the spouse or the person who's dealing in a relationship with someone who is constantly angry, you need to, first of all, understand that person has to take ownership for themselves. Nothing that you're doing is causing them to be angry. Now, sure, could you contribute to their discomfort or to their uh, dis-ease? Okay, but there's nothing that you're doing that is causing them to be angry. If someone's telling you that, they're irresponsible. They're just simply not taking responsibility for their own selves. So understand that that's their work to do. That's not your work to do. Put some distance between you and that person if need be. Answer with a soft answer. And then remove yourself from the situation, which is basically putting yourself some distance between you and that person. We do not have to be controlled by our anger. Anger 
does not have to define who you are. And it doesn't have to be something that you live in shame with for the rest of your life. I think the best thing that I've done in my life is to expose the things that I struggle with. Now, I can honestly tell y'all today, I do not struggle with anger anymore. I really don't. I can get angry and I do get angry. I think it's a healthy thing. Like I said earlier, there's certain situations where sometimes you're going to feel angry, but I'm not lashing out. I'm not volatile like I used to be. Praise the Lord. Some of you have that same story. It's time that you start telling other people, don't be ashamed about it anymore. Don't be embarrassed about it. Share your story because anger is damaging more relationships than we know. So thanks so much for listening to this message today, you guys. It is my absolute pleasure, honor, privilege, joy, delight, so many other synonyms I could use when I show up here and we can just have a conversation, just you and I through the headphones, through the Bluetooth speaker, however you're listening to this, I want you to be free. And I want you to have relationships that are full of life and purpose. And I want you to get better. There are some habits that so many of us have in relationships that are keeping us back, that are holding us back. And it is my absolute desire to help you break out of those habits so that you can live a fulfilling life and so that you can have fulfilling and purposeful relationships. So you can find the show notes to this podcast and every single episode on the Real Relationship Talk podcast by simply going to realrelationshiptalk.com slash episode, whatever that episode was. So today you would go to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 115. And um, you can also find these episodes on YouTube. So I don't put the entire episode on YouTube, but for some of you guys who've never seen my face, you can go to YouTube and you can follow along with our podcast that we do over there. Be sure that you have subscribed to this podcast if you have not already. I would love to hear from you. It absolutely makes my day when I hear reviews and when I see what you guys are writing about the podcast. It helps me to know what you need. And so if there's a topic that you want me to discuss or there's something that you've just been like, Dana needs to talk about this let me know. You can send me a DM over at Instagram, either at Real Relationship Talk or at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And remember, a good relationship isn't one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.